Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 8, 9, and 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. I'll read it out. We'll, we'll get into our discussion. I hope, I'll, I hope I can encourage you all today from, from God's Word and from a particular truth here. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We read a little bit ago uh, that section of Scripture we read in Psalm 119. I like that one verse, that last verse we read. It said, Thy testimonies also are my delight and my counselors. Uh, You know, God's Word, you don't just read it and it talks to you, but it talks to you. It counsels you. And so does the Holy Spirit of God. And I was thinking of that verse when I was thinking about my uh, experience as a young man and even into my 30s being able to work uh, doing paint and body work on uh, hot rods and street rods and classic cars and even domestic cars. As I was working on them, it was like God's Word sometimes was counseling me saying, you see that? See what you're doing right there? That's this Bible truth. You see that over there, how they stripped that car down? That, that's this Bible truth. I felt like God's Word was counseling me and teaching me things, and the Holy Spirit was teaching me things as I'm working on something of a craft, of a craftsman sort. That's what we're talking about. Uh, this is our third Sunday. I'm taking a subject. I'm taking a vocation, a craft, and showing you uh, truths from it, truths from a hot rod in this case. Because um, I had the experience of being able to work not on the engines, but on the paint body work of body side of them. And I learned a lot and uh, things that are illustrated that I've been trying to pass on to us as church family. I just want to encourage us with it one more time uh, in our message here. Uh, again, so back to our text. Our text talks about how we are saved by grace through faith. And it was nothing I contributed. God found me in my junkyard and redeemed me and saved me. And he's making me a new person for him. And he's redeemed me to not sit as a show car, but as a go car, so to speak, uh, but not to just be on the shelf. And so I belong to the Lord. I'm now I'm his workmanship. He's still working on me, still working on you. Just like you're always working on a car, right? You're always working on your car. Even if you buy a brand new one, you know, you're like, oh, I got to get that, that one little thing for it. I got to remember to go by to get that clip. Or There's always something, right? Well, God, there's always something for you. You know, you are the object of God's workmanship. We just read that. We are His workmanship. Again, that means the thing He's made, the thing He's making. Workmanship means we are the result and the continuing object of His craftsmanship. That's what we are. Here's an example of a car we worked on. We didn't do the engine of it, but we did the paintwork. My dad did an excellent job on that. He did pretty much all the paint on there. It's a really good job. And the, other, the owner, Larry, did the, um, the motor. He was a mechanic. That was a fast car right there. It's at Firebird International Raceway. I don't know if they still call it that. They're always changing the names of these places. But it's over there um, south of Phoenix. And uh, he's racing right there. That car right there was loud. It was really, it wasn't like, okay, yeah, you you start up a Corvette or you start up something with some mufflers. If you started that up at our shop, which we didn't very long, you could smell something different because it didn't have regular gas. It was something, I don't know what that stuff is, Brother Derek. It's just... But, and it was loud. I mean, it was really loud. 
In fact, I've told you before, I went to that racetrack one time, uh, Firebird, and they had top fuel dragsters. And uh, I was up close. I, wasn't, I was about as close as you could get. And then when they, went to, when they went to take off, I mean, even when they're just, their motor's just idling, so to speak, it's loud. And then when we went to take off, I pushed my fingers on my ear. I, I think it just went like this. And it was still loud in my head, which I couldn't even see straight. I'm like, the car's going by, you know. It was so loud. But we didn't do a lot of drag cars. We did kind of hot rods and stuff. But there was a few drag cars, and here's one of them. And um, yeah, there's little things you can learn from, from being around these. And here's a couple of things. We, I'll remind you quickly. Uh, these first uh, four we already preached about. That we learned, first of all, we need to be saved. <clears throat> Eventually, every car is going to perish or it's going to get restored. Every car is going to perish. It's going to find its way into a junkyard and be decomposed, maybe a little longer if it's plastic, and, um, and, or it gets restored. And that's how humans are. Everybody's going to be saved or perish. We're going to be restored to God by a conscientious, purpose, intentional faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you restore it, by faith, or we perish. That's, that's a lesson I've learned dealing with cars. Oh, let me back up a little bit. Uh, that that uh, uh, we all need ID. A lot of these old cars, even in a in a more uh, uh, unusual way, they still have a way of identifying them with what's called a VIN number. Uh, we are identified with God when we belong to Him. His Holy Spirit lives in within within us, and He's sealed in us, and it identifies us with Him, even if nobody else can see that. They need to see it. There needs to be fruit. There needs to be an obvious thing in our life, like a license plate that says what we are. But if you're saved. You're identified with God. He's put his earnest on you, and he's going to snatch you up, body, soul, and spirit, one day. And so we need identification. We need maintenance, um, just like vehicles need maintenance. They don't, they're not just uh, you know, stationary. They need to be maintained. We need to be maintained. The inner man is renewed day by day, Paul said in 2 Corinthians. The Psalm 119 is filled with a key word that says quicken. Quicken me, Lord. Jumpstart me again. Kind of refresh me again is what it means, really. And uh, we need that from God commonly. Uh, we're not a piece of iron that just can... You know, if you buy... It's like I had this one um, vice. I had a big vice. Do we still have that? Is that at the, Did the Sandovals get that? I don't know where that's at. We had a vice, and you went with them when you sold the business. Okay. All right. So we had this big vice, and had a, I mean, that vice was like the same. I, I, we've had it for a long time. Um, my dad, I don't know, maybe when I was a little kid, he got it. and We had it at the house. We had it at his shop. We had it at another shop. The Sandoval's probably got it somewhere. I don't know. But the last time I used it, it was just like the I mean, it was just iron. It's like, what, you, what do you do to this vice? Nothing. You just beat it. King, 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 king. I would beat stuff on this vice because it had like a, a flat spot. You could beat things, and it was big and clunk clamp things. I mean, it was tough. I remember taking a hammer to the, to, the, to the pole. Even when you go to tighten it, it was like, it's not tight enough. It would go bang, bang. The thing was the same like forever. It was just, it didn't, I didn't have to hard. I don't even know if I ever did anything. I don't even know if I ever put grease. I probably should have put grease in the one screw. But we're not like that. We're flesh and blood, soul and spirit. We need maintenance. We need care, you know. We're not like tough steel. We need to be maintenanced. That, that means we need to maintain connection with God, relationship with God, communication with God. You maintain your body, too. Your body needs to rest. God gives you permission to quit one day a week and say, no, I'm not doing that. So we need maintenance. We need to be roughed up sometimes before we're smoothed out. That, I saw that with cars. They got roughed up, and then they got smoothed out. 
Sometimes God does that to us. He roughs me up. 1 Peter 5, there's a verse there that says, After that you've suffered a while, the God of all grace, after that you suffered a while, establish, strengthen, and settle you. After you've kind of been roughed up, He'll smooth you out. So let's look at a couple more truths here, these last three. Uh, we need to be purged of sin and not hide it. Purged of sin. Here's an old, I think that was a Studebaker, I can't remember, uh, for one of our customers that we had. And uh, old red Studebaker painted. And one thing about these cars, again, is when you get an old car, you almost, ev- almost every old car must be stripped to metal before you really do a good paint job on it. Newer cars, you don't always have to strip them. You can paint over the recent paint job and it's okay. But almost all mo- old cars, you've got to strip them down and then start painting and doing your body work and primer and all that stuff. But, bef- but when you strip it down and it's bare metal, do- you're not to do anything on that metal if there's rust. Whether it's a a light surface rust where it just looks a little orangey or, or if it's a coarse rust, it's scaly. It doesn't matter if it looks scaly or just a light. If you see in bare metal, as far as paint and body work goes, and there's a little bit of surface rust even, you don't, you don't say, ah, yeah, just put some paint on, yeah, put some Bondo on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. You have because it will come back at you. Let me give you an example. We had another car. I don't have a picture of it, but it was, it was, it was a 36 Ford it was that color. We ended up painting it that color. And I remember it was my foolishness. This is my problem. I was working outside hot summer. Um, I was under shade, but it was outside, really hot. And it's called the quarter panel. It'd be like the, the kind of the panel behind the front doors that's like this. And um, I was, we had done most of the body work. This quarter panel was bare metal, bare metal. Man, I was so hot. I had a cooler, had a, not like an AC had a cooler, which means it's swamp cooler, you know, uses water, has some water in the air. I had that by me, oh, it's cooling off, you know, go over here, I was working on the car, you know, it was bare metal. Eh, it looks fine, you know, I was doing my body work and stuff and primed it and sanded and primed it and sanded and primed it. Got it ready for paint. We painted the whole car, it was good, sanded and buffed it, made it really nice. I don't know, maybe... I don't know how long, a few weeks, a month. The guy brings it back. He's like, look at this stuff. He shows that one quarter panel. He's like, look at, what is these little bubbles here? Really small bubbles. And we're like, oh, I don't know about that. And we just did a little sand and buff and buffed it out and stuff. And then he brought it back again. And after he brought it back again, I'm like, okay, I have to think through this. Still, those bubbles came back again. They weren't really obvious, but they were growing. They are coming back. And then I, I think I had to tell my dad or something, Dad, I think that's my fault. I think I, I, I worked on it one day. It was just one day. And I had this, I was hot, it was cooling off, the swamp cooler's blowing on me, but it's also blowing moist air onto this bare metal. Even though maybe some moments later I'd be putting stuff on it, it had exposure. And it started some very subtle, mild surface rust. But I put Mondo, put primer over, went on, did my job, and everything seemed fine. But it came back. And that's like sin. Be sure your sin will find you out. Um, there's a Bible verse that says, uh, He that covereth his sins, Proverbs 28, 15. You can turn there. Proverbs 28, 15, it's speaking about this picture. He that covers his sins shall not prosper. 
For whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall find mercy. He that covers his rust is not going to prosper. You're going to lose money on that one. But whoever just comes clean, let's just come clean with this thing, will find mercy. That's Proverbs 28, verse 15. Same thing with us. So rust is like sin. Rust is like sin. We call it cancer, actually. It's kind of a nickname in the body shop. Cancer, get rid of that cancer right there, you know? So we clean it out. And, and so uh, sin, you know, my, some habit I have, some thing I do, something I watch, something I say, some people I engage with that amounts to, that can be characterized as sin or unclean or displeasing to God. Sin, you know? It doesn't matter if it's really small surface sin or real scaly. It's sin. And it's got to be taken care of. Sin always seems to grow. And it also about sin is that if you can be, you can cover sin with a nice life. You can cover sin with nice dress. You can cover sin with, you know, a nice, being called a nice Baptist with a King James Bible. It's going to come back. It'll bubble up in your life, and you'll, it'll be expensive to fix it. In other words, you know, take the, if it's however inconvenient it is, take care of your sins. Confess them to God. Say, God, I keep blowing it here. God, I keep flirting around with this thing. Forgive me. I don't want to act like it's not here. Cover it and cover it and cover it and cover it and not acknowledge it. It's going to come out. It always does. That's how I've learned about dealing with rust on cars. and teaches me I need to be purged of sin and not keep burying it and hiding it, even though I'm putting expensive things over the top. It'll still come back. So here's the next thing. And the next point here, let's move on, is another lesson here, two more. We need go-cars more than show-cars. Now let's talk about the car part of it. This is actually, this guy's car is pretty cool. It, that looks kind of like a show truck. That's definitely a show truck. This guy drove his truck all the time. His name was Ron. And uh, he actually had two trucks. He had this one. I'll say his name, Ron Kelsey. He's a nice guy. He had also a large Peterbilt truck, big old diesel truck. He hauled stuff. He had put like one or two million miles or something on this guy's motor. Uh, or on the whole truck. My dad painted his Peterbilt truck, and then my dad painted his, his regular truck right here. And um, he drove it. I mean, that's a nice paint job. I didn't even show you the back of it or the other side. It's a nice paint job. He drove it. He didn't just say, here's something nice. I put all this time. I put all this attention. I put all this design and thought into it. Now, let's just set it here and just look at it. He did a lot of time, attention, nice wheels, maintained his inside-outside engine, and he uses it. He uses it. Now, he's probably a little more fussy than I would be, you know, but he used it. And then there's another guy. This guy's a good guy, good customer. He probably didn't use it because he has other vehicles he could drive. But this is one of the most unique vehicles we ever did. This is actually like a, some, probably a uh, 70, late 70 Blazer, right? You're like, that don't look like a Blazer. Exactly. It's like a late 70 Blazer. There's like fenders, doors, and then it's one body panel right here, almost like a truck bed. This is the top pillars, what are these called, A-pillars, Dad? Uh, with the glass, the windshield. The windshield's not, it's not done. This is kind of raw in our shop. This guy, this is, it was really cool. It was really cool doing this. I mean, this is one of the flattest paint jobs we ever had. The, the paint, the bodywork, the paint itself was like glass. 
And uh, of course, he paid for that. But um, and uh, he did his own wheels and motor and stuff. But here's the thing: you see that right there? I don't have an up close picture, but it says radio flyer, like a wagon. And it's all airbrushed. If I had a close-up, be like, that looks just like the wagon I used to have. The emblem on the wagon when I was a kid. That's what he was thinking, you know. So he, had a, he liked radio flyer wagons, I guess. And then on the back of his tailgate had laser cut in script, radio flyer in the metal with like a, a light or something that it lit up when he stepped on his brakes. I mean, overgrown kid, you know. So, uh, Ron, if you're watching, thanks for the business. Anyways. <laughs> So, but you know, quite frankly, he did, I'm pretty sure he didn't drive this. He drove this. I told you about another customer that in his house there was 57 Chevy, there was an 80-something pace car, and there was an El Camino that we painted, and something else fully restored, looked brand new per their year, and hardly driven. One, the 57 Chevy had 15 miles on it. And I think, what a waste. Now, sometimes... We can be like that as Christians. We invest in ourselves. We invest in our look. We invest in our mind, learning, getting things, knowing stuff. And what do we do? We invest in our mind. We invest in our look. And what do we do with it? Just kind of sit. And when's our pra- when does our Christianity put its feet? Put its uh, rubber to the road, so to speak. Um, there was a guy that we did a 20-something, late 20s or early 30s Ford truck. I don't have pictures of it. It was white. And he said, I'm going to drive this. And it was a, re, he did a lot. We just did the paintwork. There wasn't much there because they're small. He did a beautiful re- restoration of the engine and interior and all that. And he even had an old Arizona license plate that was made out of copper. And it had only like four or five numbers on it. And he polished it, and he was able to register that. It was really cool. And he really did. He says, I'll come back and pick you up. That's what he told me. I've had customers tell me that a lot. Hey, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Michael. There's Mike, my dad, Michael. Thanks for working. I'm going to come. I'm going to take you for a drive sometime in my truck. Take you for a drive sometime in my hot rod. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. Thanks. I hope you do that. And then they go their way after we've done our paint job. They do their interior, their engine. They finish up, and they forget about me. Well, there was a couple guys who didn't. They said came back, and this guy's name was Lou. Lou came back. He came driving in in this car, and it was beautiful. It was a show truck, in this case, show truck. And uh, he drove back. He came in. He said, I told you I'm going to take you somewhere. You ready? I said, yeah. Get in. He took me to Dairy Queen. We got something from Dairy Queen. It was nice. Came back. I'm like, I like Lou. Yeah. And then Lou entered his uh, truck into a car show in San Francisco, and it was like Good Guys or something. It was a big one back in the day. And he won second place to the world's most beautiful roadster. The only reason they said, according to him, that he got second place and not first is because his, they're called exhaust pipes out of the engine. The headers were uh, discolored a little bit. And the reason they're discolored because he drives it. Uh, that's pretty neat. And it, it, and, so what, is it, what does that mean to us? The Bible says be doers of the word, not hearers only. Don't just polish your life and polish your mind. Be, do something with what you're learning. The Bible says, uh, I'm giving you Bible verses here. Uh, Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. God made us to do works, not to do works. 
not just to sit, not just to, um, to do nothing, not just to be hearers of the word, but doers. God made us to be go Christians, not show Christians. Go cars, not show cars. Jesus one time was speaking, and a lady in the crowd was so, oh, she loved Jesus. She loved hearing Jesus speak. And she, and she said, oh, blessed are the, the womb that bear thee and the paps which thou hast sucked. Oh, you're so blessed. And he said, no, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and do it. You're not blessed because of your some, merely from your some great heritage in and of itself. You're blessed because you, you do what you're learning. You do God's word and not just know it. All right? And we're go Christians, not just show Christians. Um, that's how I need to be. That's how you need to be. And then last of all, <clears throat> this is kind of a, from a different angle, but I've learned this dealing with cars and hot rods. And this lesson you can learn in a lot of areas is that we need to keep our relationships more than things. People are more important than stuff. Relationships are more important than anything else. Uh, so I'm going to tell you two quick little uh, stories. This guy I told you about, Larry. And there's another guy, I'll call him Dan. Years ago we did, both of these were race cars. And Larry had... Uh, one of the things I noticed about him, I don't know him extremely well, but one thing I did notice is that he had his family involved with him when he did racing. He had his uh, wife and son and daughter. As far as I knew, those were his, that was his family. I told you he's tall. He looked like Larry Bird. Um, but when he raced, he took his family with him as much as he could. His son, his daughter, wife. Wife was in and on it. They did that stuff together. I thought that was pretty neat. Um, and his family seemed to be, again, from where I sat, I don't know everything, seemed to be go over well, seemed to be pretty stable. There was another guy, and I've seen this other side, this other one, another race car we did. In fact, those were actually the same class of racing. Um, name, we call him Dan. We did another car for him, really nice car. And uh, I remember he... Um, it, it, from what I could tell, this him burying himself into this and into this uh, hobby of racing cost him his family. I'll just say that much. And I don't know that he had them involved. Probably didn't. And even if he didn't, maybe he could have scaled it back or not done it at all to keep his family. Uh, I was in our paint shop one time. or It's called called Finish Masters. They sell paint and material, and I was sitting there waiting on something, and they had a, like a newspaper there, and the newspaper was geared for racers. And I was just sitting there waiting on them, mixing our paint, and so I'm looking through this newspaper. Oh, this is for sale. There's a drag car for sale. Oh, there's this, and I'm like looking through it like I'm not really going to buy it, but I'm looking, at, and I, I felt sad because I read one of them said, uh, he's selling this drag dragster that he had. I can't remember what kind it was, and put the price, had a picture named off all the cool things about it in the engine. Then he just said, lost my wife, lost my family, lost my desire. That's how he put it in the ad. And I was, I was sad reading that. And I think I'm trying to connect the dots like maybe that was part of it. There's nothing wrong with golf. There's nothing wrong with cars. Nothing wrong with being a gamer. Maybe there is. I kind of want to tell my boys that. <laughs> You don't want to grow up to be a gamer. Just be a gamer for maybe half hour a week. 
There's nothing wrong with these things, these earthly enjoyments, you know. There's nothing wrong with sports. But in America, we, whatever that thing is, idol. We will make everything a massive idol. Everything in this country. Something that's okay in temperance will take an extreme and make an idol and a billion-dollar industry out of it. So, um, but for us, we could get fixated on things. So let me go, so a few thoughts. Some people live for, maybe not drag racing, but they live for a sport. They live for the gaming. I, gaming, I, we kind of laugh, it is a problem in this country. I used to think, ah, oh, so those kids, those little gamer kids, it's like people my age, they're gamers still. Grandkids are pulling on, they're like, Grandpa, can I just, can I, can you feed me? Hold on a second. I mean, that's kind of happening right now. People are infested with gaming, and I mean it to, to, to a fault. Some people can live for their, their shows, their sports, their car, their, to the neglect of the wife, the kids, or the church family. It's a fact and we should be aware of it. We say, I want to fight that. Is there something that, that I'm making more important than my relationships right now in my life? Ask yourself that. Is there something, something, some object, some pursuit, some fancy that, I'm, that is becoming, it's overshadowing shadowing the quality of my, of my uh, marital relationship. It's overshadowing the quality of my parental relationship. There's something that's overshadowing and eroding my relationship with family, friend, church family, spouse, then if it is, then, it, then we're kind of just going down the same road as this guy. It's just a different object. And we say, no, wait a minute. Let me go back to Jesus' commands. Remember Jesus' big two? Remember the big two? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. And the second one is love thy neighbor as thyself. The person next to you, love not the game next to you, not the sport next to you, not the car next to you as yourself. That's not the greatest command. The greatest command is to love a person that's by you as yourself. It's the second greatest command. Men are told to love their wives and sacrificially as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Not love their car sacrificially, their game sacrificially, their shows sacrificially, or their gambling sacrificially. People love these things and they sacrifice and they pour time and treasure into those things. we get, we got to be aware of that as Americans if it hasn't infested us already. Say, wait, I'm going to fight against that as a husband. I'm talking to men now. As a husband, say, I'm supposed to be pouring out for my wife like Jesus poured out for me. Um, and we can do that. Whatever God commands us, He enables us. What He says, He enables us to do. His commandments are not grievous. We're told to love, not these things, fervently. We're told that to, 1 Peter 1.22, I'm just quoting your scriptures. Listen to what 1 Peter 1.22, love one another fervently, fervently. I remember there was a guy, there was a guy one time, we had, he had a really nice old Lincoln and we did, and man, he loved it. It was a cool, it was a really cool car. It was big, big old fat fenders. It was huge. There was so much surface area on this thing because it was round and brown, brown. He wanted everything painted, the outside of the fenders, the underside of the hood, the inner fender wells, the dad. All, I mean, we, dad used so much of this paint on this thing. And um, he loved that car, and it was really neat. But he loved that car. 
so much. This guy, from what I could tell, this guy was in his 60s even at the time. And he one time was transporting it, had it on a trailer, didn't drive it much, and it like slipped forward and rolled. The cable wasn't, one of those cinches wasn't holding it, and it rolled forward and rolled into like something on the front part of the trailer. That he was hauling, and it crunched the hood. And this hood's like a big old nose. Of, it looks like a big old whale's head. You know, it's just, Nuh. you know, that's what this hood was like. I mean, it's like you open the hood, just like, Nuh, like that. Actually, it comes to a point on this one. Nuh, it's a big old white hood, but the front was just, Nuh. and it rolled forward and crunched, and it crunched the front of this hood, and we had to repair it. And he brought it back, and we worked on it and repaired it. And I remember him saying, he goes, man, <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, I'm like in my probably 20s or so, early 20s, and I'm listening. He says, yeah, he's just so, so distraught about it. He's like, you can fix this. And he goes, yeah, when that happened, I just got to admit, I cried. When it rolled forward and it crunched the hood, he cried. Now, I don't know if it's because it was his last dollar that he invested. I don't know, but, you know, it wouldn't give me that much for us to repair it. But I thought, man, that's like in a little too much. There was a guy one time, this is the truth, there was a guy, he had an old El Camino. 60-something El Camino. It was, was kind of light. I had one, too. It was light blue like mine. We didn't paint it. Uh, somebody else did, but he was at this upholstery shop next to us. And he's in there, and he's having it worked on by the upholstery guy, and I'm standing over here talking to this old dude. And, um, and he's like, yeah, he's talking in here, this and that. And he goes, and then I, somehow we got talking about being Christians and everything, and he says, yeah, I went over here to such and such church, and before I put it in the show, I had him lay hands on it. And pray for it. That's what he told me. Like, oh, I haven't heard of that one. But I mean, it wasn't like lay hands on it. We're taking Bibles to Mexico. Wasn't that? It was like, we're going to go to the core show, lay hands on So, you know, I'm just saying, sometimes people can get pretty infatuated with things like that. I want to invest in my relationships. I want to lay hands and pray for my kids. I want to, I'm learning that I need to spend time, you know, trying to whittle and invest in my own children, invest in my marriage, invest in my relationships. Those are more important. I have a car. It'd be nice if I ever had time as a, a guy to, to tinker around with something, maybe. But even if I did, I'd bring one of my boys along to make it a relational thing. If you do a hobby or a sport, as much as you can, try to make it a relational thing. Uh, you know, golfing, you're like, man, I wish my wife liked to golf, man. Some of you guys are probably like that, you know. I was telling my wife, I wish you liked riding on quads, you know. <laughs> We're just going to have to do horsepack. I don't know, you know. But make it relational, whatever fun thing, you know, to where it's not just isolation, to where you're enhancing a relationship which matters more. Last of all, let's just, we're concluding here, workmanship. So we're just talking about workmanship. That's what we are. Again, Go back here real quick. We are God's workmanship. We're not his junk. We're not his trash. We're his workmanship. He's trying to work on us. But the difference in this whole analogy is we can, we can, we have, God's instilled a will in us that we can do stuff and, and pull our, back our car out of his garage, so to speak. God doesn't neglect us if we've submitted. If you realize that if you submit yourself to God, you know the Bible says submit yourselves to God. 
He works on you. If you stay submitted to God, He's getting done on you what He wants to get done. Think about that. Sometimes there were shops. We didn't have, let it happen that often at our shop. Derek could probably relate with this. Where You have cars come in. You have customers. Come, can, I, can I have you work on my car? Yeah, bring it in. We're pretty busy. We'll probably get to it next week. And then, all right, they park it, and, and maybe it sits longer than you want it to. And there's other shops where it's like, maybe you've had this happen. You take your car and like, man, they haven't worked on it for a month. Well, it's time to go get it. <laughs> you know? You submitted it to them, but nothing's happened. There's shops, there was one near us where a guy dropped, brought a car, gave him a bunch of money, and the body shop did not work on it for a long time. The customer was mad. I submitted my car to you and some money, and you have not helped me. You have not improved me. We are God's workmanship. As I stay submitted to Him, He's going to work on me as much as He wants, as much as I need. It's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. He who began a good work in you will perform it, keep performing it till the day of Jesus Christ. If in all my ways, if in all my ways I acknowledge Him, He'll keep steering me and directing my paths. Stay submitted to God at his, as His workmanship. Yield yourself to Him. There's a, there's a, a Romans 6.13 talks about being instruments. Yield yourselves to God. You're a vehicle. You're a tool, whatever. Say, God, I'm yielded to you. Sharpen me, shape me, use me. But I want to stay yielded to you as your workmanship, and we will turn out exactly like He wants us to be. But first of all, again, you've got to make sure that you've been redeemed by Him. And the way to know you've been redeemed by Him is to know that there was a time and a place that you've purposely, conscientiously put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. The beginning of your redemption, the day you get redeemed out of the junkyard and belong to Him, ever, though ever so ugly spiritually, if you belong to Him, you're on the right road. He that believeth on Him hath everlasting life. So, have you yielded to Him? Are you putting up with sin? Like rust? Are you, what characters are Are we more of a, say, am I more of a show car or a go car for the Lord? 